0: Good to be in God's house this morning. Amen. I was sitting here thinking about my church up in Oklahoma. What a blessing to be down here with you guys. And I want to try to be a blessing to you today. I didn't come to beat you up, uh, but I am going to give you some stuff to try to help you. i want to try to help you. Now, before I get started with the message this morning, uh, Brother brother Keith and I have had a very, very good week. And I know that uh, we was hoping to have 20 visitors this morning, but I was thinking back uh, when, I, when I took the church in Oklahoma, they had nine, nine people, nine people, and uh, uh, my family made 13, so it, was, it grew immediately when I came to the church because I have a big family, but what happened was is I, I decided that I'm gonna, I, was, I told the Lord a long time ago, I said, Lord, I will go sow one in every day of my life until the day I die. I feel like that's my reasonable service. Uh, I, I believe there's a hell. I believe that God is so good and so gracious, and He wants to help people. And I'm, I'm going to do my best. I may look like an idiot out there doing it, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell people about my Savior every day because I love Him. Not because not I have to, but because I love Him. So I started, and I started back up, and I, I repented for not going. There's about three years there. Uh, things got rough in my life, and, and, and uh, I wasn't so winning every day. I still had many people saved all over the the country, matter of fact. But I wasn't uh, 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 consistent with it. When I got to South South Oklahoma, I started going every day. I go out until I have somebody saved. If I go out and I have somebody saved in five minutes, then I can go do other things. If I go out in the morning and I don't have anybody saved, you can ask my wife. I will go so winning until 10 o'clock at night until I find that one. That one that God's dealing with. Because to me, the most important thing in, in the world is the souls of men. Y'all know there's three things that are eternal on this earth? Three things that are eternal. Number one, the souls of men. The Word of God. What you hold in your hand is eternal. Psalm 119.89 He says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever is eternal. And number three, the local church. And if there's anything a Christian ought to be praying for and ought to be loving and ought to be striving to to make sure happens, number one is the church stays open. Number two, the Word of God is preached and proclaimed around the world. And number three, the souls of men, men ought to be saved. They ought to be told how to get to heaven. The Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? How How can they preach except they be sent? Well, Jesus said a long time ago, even so, uh, even as the Father has sent me, so send I you. It's our job. And I want to tell y'all that the, the the area around here is wide open. A lot of the people that got saved this week, unfortunately, go to other churches. And I say that, unfortunately, with a heavy, heavy heart because churches have gotten away from preaching the truth. And, and uh, every, everybody who asked to, if you died today, you going to heaven? Uh, I hope so. I feel like I will. I say, okay, great. Well, I feel like I'm a millionaire. Let's check my bank account. (laughs) I mean, just because you feel like it, don't. The fact is written. He said, as it is written. So it's found right here in this book. the, the, The blessed hope is the word of God. It's not your feelings. And a lot of people don't like that anymore, but that's what the world's going to is feelings. Everything feels, everything feels, everything feels good. Well, you know, sometimes what God tells you don't feel good. Is that right, Brother Keith? Sometimes it don't feel so good when he he gets on to you. But whenever you obey him, then you'll find that feeling. I I talk to people all the time. Well, I just don't feel it, Brother Owens. I don't feel it. Well, let me ask you something. Are you obeying God? Well, no, because I don't feel nothing. Well, back up just a minute. If I put a tack on your chair, are you going to feel it while you're looking at it? Or after you set on it. So the feeling comes after the fact, right? And that's what everybody is looking for, this feeling of euphoria and peace. And all. You're not going to get that feeling until you obey. And then when you obey, you can come in here. Y'all see the glow on Brother Keith this morning. You know why? Because he was obedient this week. And he has visitors. And he was on fire for God because he obeyed God. And now he has that joy. And it doesn't come because you want it. It comes because you obey God. And after you obey, then God will give. And some people say, well, I just can't serve until I feel like it. Well, bless God, there's a, sometimes I don't feel like eating. I mean, I know that's hard to believe, but uh, sometimes it's hot outside and I just don't want to eat. But I've got to force myself to eat. And then after I eat, I get energy back and I'm like, woohoo, let's go. Or I drink coffee or something, you know. Uh, but it comes after the obedience. It comes after the obedience. So we have to obey. Isn't that what the Bible says? Trust and obey for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. All right. We'll get started here in just a second. I'm just trying to get the nervousness out. I get nervous, Brother, brother Keith, I do. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the, the entire story. We was there talking to people in the laundromat. And uh, uh, Brother Keith was, he, I told him, I said, today you're going to talk. He said, I'm going to have to be ready. I said, you'll be ready. (laughs) I did this to my associate pastor up up North Texas. And uh, anyway, so I went up and I introduced myself to this young man, his name is Caleb. I said, hey Caleb, uh, uh, I'd like to ask you this question. And I'd like to ask everybody this question this morning. If you died today, would you go to heaven? And that is the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. And I asked him, I said, Caleb, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And he said, no. I said, really? I said, are you satisfied with that? No. I said, do you want to know how to get to heaven? He says, absolutely. Brother Keith was standing there. I said, well, this man right here is going to show you how. See you. <laughs> and uh, uh, that works. It works. Next thing I know, I come around there and the young man got saved. The young man got saved. And they, they had another church. They go to church down in Galveston somewhere. But the thing is, is, is our job, is to put the gospel out there, to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. And people say, I just can't do that. No, I can't either. I mean, really, I can't. If y'all was to look at my medical records with the uh, VA, I have a big stamp on there that says, I have a social phobia. I get nervous when I get around people. I I mean, God called me. I mean, doesn't he have a sense of humor? Uh, When I was talking to the psychiatrist, you you hear people that say... uh, I'd like to move to Alaska in the middle of the wilderness by myself. And usually they do it, and within six months, they're back in society. And after he got done with me, he says, You know, I believe you're the only one that could move up there by yourself and live there forever. I said, Yeah. I said, That's just how I feel around people. And then God called me to preach, and I'm thinking, What? And I ran from it like everybody does. I ran from it for several years. And uh, uh, then finally, I decided it was time to obey God. And I did, and I did, and I thank God for it today. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm not going to try, I'm do my best. I want to help you today. Uh, um, let me tell you a quick story, a quick, a quick joke. That way you can, can laugh. The Bible says laughter doeth good like a medicine. And uh, there was a lady, and y'all may have heard this joke before. I've, I've been telling this same joke for 20-something years. I don't know any new ones. But uh, uh, there was this lady, she was a widow woman, and uh, she lived in a duplex, and there was a Her porch and her neighbor's porch was hooked together. I mean, she come out sit, and there was just a rail between the two of them. Well, she was a godly woman. She was a Christian lady, and she would go out of the mornings, and she'd sit on her porch, and she would pray and ask God for her needs. And uh, uh, the guy that lived right next to her, now he was an atheist. And he mocked her every time she prayed. Why are you praying to an invisible, something you can't see? Uh, uh, he can't help you. He hasn't helped you. You're still poor. You're still a widow. And you still have no money. And she just ignores him, like most women do when men talk. Uh, but anyway, so he, she comes out there that morning, and, and she had a dire need. So she got on her knees on her porch, and she says, God, I'm I don't have any money, I don't have any groceries, my cupboards are empty, my icebox is empty, and I can't buy any food. And she said, Father, you told me uh, uh, to ask for my needs. You said, give us this day our daily bread. She said, Father, I ask you to give me my daily bread. And she said, I'm going to trust you now in Jesus' name, amen. And the neighbor laughed at her as usual, and he went straight to the store and he bought a couple hundred dollars' worth of groceries, and loaded them up and brought them to her house and put them on the porch, and knocked on her door. She come outside and she says, "What is this?" She said first. He said first of all, I want to tell you, your God didn't answer your prayer. I bought these groceries, and she stopped right quick and she says, "Father, thank you for bringing me these groceries, and I even appreciate that you used the devil to do it." <laughs> Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. We're going to talk about prayer today. We have a a powerful tool that we could use to change the world. And uh, we have uh, uh, the ability at any time, day or night, to pray and get a hold of God. Now, as you're turning there, I'm, I'm going to kind of tell you a little bit about my background. I pastored a church in Corsicana, Texas, for 17 years. And we had uh, uh, God used me, uh, uh, the ministry, to go around the world. He allowed me to go to Africa 39 times. We started over 140 churches there in Africa. He allowed me to go to Thailand. We helped start eight churches in Thailand and send Bibles to Thailand. He allowed me to go to uh, uh, Costa Rica. We started a church down in Costa Rica. I just got back a couple months ago from ordaining a young man into the ministry down there. And uh, uh, souls are being saved, and they're having church right now. They, they're on the same time schedule as we are. They're having church right now. and uh, uh, But God has allowed me to go around the world. And uh, uh, when I was traveling around the world, I did not realize how powerful prayer is. I was just doing things, a lot of things. And y'all forgive me, but a lot of things I was doing, I was doing my own energy. I, I, I was... but. On the outside, I was this outgoing uh, uh, preacher, and, and I was trying to be happy and all these things, but on the inside, I was tore up. On the inside, I felt like something was missing. I felt like, you know, uh, I read the, the Bible of a God that stepped out on nothing and created everything, and, and I'm thinking, where's he at? Why am I struggling so hard? I mean, why I can't make nothing happen. I mean, my church grew a little bit, and we got up to over 100-something, and then, then uh, uh, there was a... Uh, uh, some adultery happened in the church with some of the members and it made a bunch of people mad and I lost about 80 people all at one time and, and you know I had nothing to do with that and I didn't know anything about it but, but I'm thinking where is the God of the Bible I need him about right now is that kind of what y'all are thinking right now we need him about right now and uh, uh, some other things happened and, and uh, uh, my neighbor I went to school with this girl and uh, her name was Penny Chapman. I started Mildred out there in first grade, and she moved to the school. It's the same year I did, and we went to school together, and I've known her all my life, and when she grew up, she got married and moved off, and I got married, and, and, you know, I mean, we weren't dating or boyfriend. We were just friends. I mean, she was just a friend. She was nice. We used to uh, go down and swim. She had a swimming pool, and she had a clubhouse, and we'd go play in the clubhouse, and all these kind of. Things. She was just a friend growing up, right? So she came back, and uh, uh, somehow her mother started coming to our church. And when her mother started coming to our church, uh, uh, she was kind of cantankerous, old gal, and she still is. She settled down a little bit. Uh, uh, y'all forgive me, but I called her Crazy Nancy. She would call me. She was one of the people that called you. Uh, uh, she'd be driving by your house and see a piece of trash hanging out of your trash can and call you and tell you you need to clean your yard up. That's, that's just how she was. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. And she, she, but she got saved. And I baptized her. And she invited her daughter to come to church. She said, you remember Chad? You used to go to school. And she said, I remember Chad. So she came to school. And we were probably, you know, uh, uh, by this time, probably up in our upper 20s, maybe lower 30s. I don't remember exactly when. But uh, she came to church. And uh, uh, I said, hey, it's good to see you, you know. And we talked, and, and she, she got saved. I baptized her. And uh, uh, one day I was up preaching, and I was preaching on prayer. And she said, uh, she, at, at invitation, she came to the altar, and she was just down on her knees, and she was crying like Hannah in the Bible. She was bitterly crying. So I come down, and I said, Penny, I said, are you Okay. She said, no, I'm not. She said, the doctors told me I would never have a baby. I said, why come? How come? She said, something wrong, and I just can't have children. I said, have you talked to God about it? She said, well, I was just down here kind of feeling sorry for myself. I said, well, come here. She came over there, and I put my hand on her. And I said, Father... This sweet young lady wants a baby. She would be a good mother. Would you bless her with a child? And She went and sat down and didn't think nothing about it. So I went back, finished my altar call, and uh, uh, about three months later, she came come in and she was just glowing. I said, what's going on, Penny? She said, I'm two months pregnant. I said, praise the Lord. That baby was born. Her name was Mackenzie. And she was just a little ditty-bopper. She ditty-bopped everywhere. She was thin as a rail. And, she, and when she turned about six, she got saved. I baptized her. I was so happy. Now, her husband was a different story. He was a, a knucklehead. And uh, he had this, this theology because he had a bad dad that God was a woman. He didn't believe the Bible. He come in there and in my office, he said, why are you teaching my wife and my daughter that God is a man? I said, because the Bible says my father, which art in heaven. He says, well, that ain't what that means. I said, how do you argue with that? I said, look, I'm going to be praying for you. I said, but I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I said, you go on home. And uh, uh, so I sent him out of there, and I started praying for him. Well, he, 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 something went haywire in his brain. About two years later, I took her to the doctor in, in uh, Fort Worth. She had uh, back surgery, and I had to take her up and get an MRI. So we're coming in from Fort Worth, and, and uh, Miss Nancy, which, which is the mother, she called me, and she said, Brother Owen, something's wrong. At that moment... I looked at my wife. I said, they're dead. I don't know how I knew. I said, they're dead. She said, who's dead? I didn't tell Nancy. I said, Penny and McKinney. I said, all of them, they're dead. She said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. <coughs> so we rushed home, and she, I told her, I said, call 911. Call them right now. And I went, I went to her house, and I went in there with a the police officer. That beautiful eight-year-old baby girl shot right in the face with a 44 mag. And her daddy did it. As you walk around the corner from the little girl's bedroom, mama was laying right there. Shot her in the chest and shot her in the face. As you walk around the corner into the living room, he was laying there. But there's a 44 magnum, uh, old Henry, uncle, whatever it is, old Henry rifle, and he put it under his chin, shot himself in the head i seen that. That messed me up. I didn't need to see that little girl. I didn't have to. I don't, but they, they needed to know, was that, was that them? It was either the mother go in or me go in. So I identified them. I said, yeah, that's, that's them. So we had a funeral. It was so hard on me. I, I mean, it just still bothers me to think about it today. And the mother said, Brother Owens, you prayed for her to have that baby. And God blessed her. She says, why? Why, Brother Owens? I don't have an answer. Maybe she couldn't have a baby because God was trying to spare us all from that pain. I don't know. But what I did learn is, is God will answer prayers. So during all this time, I had this sweet 80-year-old man that played the piano and a trumpet at the same time. He was a gentleman. I mean, when a lady walked in the room, he stood up. That's just the way they taught him. And then when he'd, he'd stay standing up on the platform until the women sit down. then when they sat down, he could sit down. Another woman would walk in, he'd stand back up. I mean, he was just, a, and he was very polite. He was a gentleman. He was married to a lady named Pat Strange. She died 10 years before with colon cancer. And uh, uh, he was struggling, you know, just with that because he prayed for her. And and he asked me, Brother Owens, why? Why? Well, him and his wife was in children's ministry. Now, I'm going to hurry, I promise. I'll get to the message in just a second. I'm just trying to show you some some things. And uh, uh, when that happened, when she died, the ministry stopped. Well, he was feeling sorry for himself, and he decided he'd go get checked out, come find out he had prostate cancer. They said, you got about a year. He said, what can I do? So we went and he took all these pictures, and he took them down, and he had uh, uh, all these pictures developed. It was over 30,000 pictures of kids because they had, they had went to churches all over Texas, Alabama, New Mexico, Arizona, all over. And Walmart has this policy: if you see, if you take, have too many pictures of children, they're going to call you in, uh, uh, and they're going to come check you out. So they arrested him, eighty years old. Arrested, arrested him, took him to jail, seized all of his assets. It was just pictures of kids, no naked ones. They was just kids. They charged him for porn- child pornography because he had over a million and a half dollars and he had a million and a half dollars worth of guns. The sheriff found the guns and he's like, slobbering. Boy, I want those guns. I mean, he had a gun that belonged to Bonnie and Clyde. The sheriff wanted it. He had a 50 caliber machine gun worth $250,000. The sheriff wanted it to put it on the SWAT. the, The SWAT deal as a turret gun. They put my friend in jail. Falsely charged him. Falsely accused him. The DA... He was standing there at the, at the courthouse when I walked out with him with the police officer and he was talking to the sheriff and they looked at him and laughed. I knew the DA. I went up and told him. I said, Sir, you have made a mistake messing with God's man. He laughed. He said, Brother Chad, just gone." The day that, that they put him in jail was June 1st, 2018. June the 1st, 2019, the DA was walking in his office and fell over dead. One year to the day, and that's all that Harvey stayed in prison, one year. The day they released Harvey Strain, that man fell over dead. He was 42 years old. Good shape. That messed me up when they arrested my song leader. So in the last three or four years, God has been teaching me some things. He's teaching me that we can trust Him. We can trust Him when it's good. And we can trust Him when it's bad. Because He's still good. That's right, He's always good. And He taught me what it was to pray. This morning, I want to talk about praying. Just for a few minutes, I I wanted to give you those stories because, folks, we have an awesome privilege to come to God and get a hope to heaven. To get a hold to the one that stood out on nothing and made everything, the one that could change the course of nature itself. He says, call unto me, and I will answer thee. Have you got a need here this morning? He says, call unto me, and I will answer thee. That's a promise from the throne of God. In Luke chapter 11, where is the time going? In Luke chapter 11, verse number 1, if you're able to stand for the reading of the word, I know, I know some. we have some elderly people here, but that's just the thing that I've been doing for a long time. Uh, uh, if you're not, just stay seated. I just always thought that we honor a judge when he walks into a room. We honor a bride when she walks into a room. Uh, uh, why not honor God's Word when we read it? And help That will keep you from falling asleep while I'm preaching. <laughs> so there's some hidden things behind there. i got agendas. All right, 11-1, the Bible says, And it came to pass... That is, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto him, when you pray, say unto our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven. So on earth, give us this day, or, or give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, help us today. I just pray that you'll uh, uh, help these folks. Lord God, help them. And and Lord, I'm not a good preacher, but I have a good book. Father God, I'm not smart, but I have the wisest one that lives in my heart. So I pray that you'll help me to help your people. Now, Father, we're just going to give you praise, honor, and glory for everything you do and encourage these folks in prayer and sowing and getting a hold to heaven. And, and uh, Lord God, just just use me this morning to help your people. Uh, I just pray now, Lord, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I was thinking uh, yesterday, I was talking to Brother Keith, and we were talking about, uh, I was going to go a different route this morning, but we were talking, and, and, and it seems that uh, we need to get a hold to prayer. And, and when you get a hold to prayer, then God will start changing things in this church, And uh, he'll start changing things in your heart, and uh, he'll start changing things in your life. And I want you to be careful going out buying these self help books and reading these prayer books, uh, uh, because I read one yesterday that was, or or day before yesterday, on an audio book. Somebody, hey, hey, this is good, read it, man. And uh, so uh, I I didn't want to buy the book, and I, I was driving, so I didn't want to read it. So I found it on the internet, and I hit play, and I'm driving down the road, I'm listening to this book. Well, he has seven chapters. On why God won't answer your prayers. Seven chapters. And then the last chapter was one chapter on how and why God will answer your prayers. And by the time I got to chapter number seven, I'm like, whew, I'm never going to pray again. God's not going to listen to me anyhow. I mean, what's the use? You know, this morning God has said over and over and over, cast your cares upon me, cast your cares upon me, call unto me. He said, come unto me. All these things, He's telling us, He's inviting us, He's pleading with us. He said, come, I've got what you need. Amen. But these, these men, they read the Bible and they, all they see is negative, 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 negative. I want to tell you something, we don't serve a ne- negative God there are things that hinders your prayer, but there's way more. Uh, uh, God, if you can't get, you, get your prayers answered because you're righteous, get them because He gave you a promise to call unto Him. He, if you can't go to Him because you're a good person, He said, ask it in Jesus' name. Hey, He said, I'm, I'm going to give you method after method and way after way so that you as a church, as my people, can get a hold to me. And let me show you what I can do. And that's exactly, you know, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord seek to and throw throughout the earth. Someone that he can show himself strong through. God's looking for somebody in this church this morning. Can I trust this one? Can I show myself strong through this pastor? Can I show the world who I am through him? Hey, not only him though. He's saying, can I show myself strong through you and you? You know what God wants more than anything this morning? He wants us to know Him. And He wants the world to know Him. If you'll study the history of the Bible, the whole reason He picked the Jews was to show the world who He was. He's still the same today. He wants everybody to know Him. And He wants us to know His strength and His power. And He wants us to know His his trustworthiness. And He wants us to know His goodness. And then you get preachers that stand in the pulpit and say, well, if you, if you pray this way, God's not going to hear you. Man, I don't want to go to a church that tells me how not to get a hold of God. I want to go, I mean, yeah, I may have to repent. And I may have to get right with God. But I want to go to a church that shows me the, the, the true God, that the, the pastor knows the God and the church knows the God and they know that if, if I need something, he's got to answer. Didn't he tell Abraham? He asked him a question. Is anything too hard for God? Didn't he say in James chapter 4, we have not because we ask not? Everybody likes to jump down there and preach that He said, but when you ask, you ask them yes. They'll preach on that for three days. You know why you don't have what you need? You're not asking for it. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. You have not not because you ask not. He's our Father. How many of y'all your kids come to you and they're thirsty and you say, Mama, Daddy, can I have a drink? Nope. You didn't clean your room up last week. Mama and Daddy, I need, I need to go to the doctor. Nope. Mama and Daddy, I need help. I'm scared. That's your problem. That's how people make it look like God is. He said we're His children. Doesn't it make you blessed when your children come to you and they say, help me? What do you do? You kick them and throw them out on the street? I'll tell you what you do when them little grandbabies come up there. You say, do I need to whoop your mom and daddy? That's the kind of father we have. People just can't believe it. You know, as I was studying this, I was reading. Out of all the things, they witnessed the disciples. He turned water into wine. I mean, that could make a lot of money. (laughs) Why didn't the disciples say, Lord, teach me how to turn water into wine? Especially if you're in Kentucky or Alabama. Lord, Lord, teach me how to, uh, uh, teach me how to, to turn water into wine. It, we're a world of entertainment. I mean, why didn't He say, Lord, teach me how to walk on that water like you and Peter did? Or, or, or Lord, uh, uh, teach me how to raise like the little boy that they were carrying through there and he was dead and he raised... Well, I mean, why didn't they ask Him for something like, Lord, teach me how to raise people from the dead? <laughs> like a doctor makes a lot of money. Or, or, Lord, teach me how to calm the waves when the storm comes. I mean, all these miracles and all these things they've seen Him do, but they was something about the prayer that made them want to ask Him. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, show me how to get a hold to God like You do. And every one of us ought to ask Jesus the same thing those disciples did. Lord, I read the Bible. I seen that when you prayed and then you went out and raised Lazarus from the dead, you did it after prayer. I seen that you was up in the mountain and praying and you was walking out on the water and the storm came and you calmed the storm. God, teach me how to pray like that. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to You know what we need to learn today? We need to learn how to pray. We need to learn how to get a hold of God. Because my God is the same God that did every miracle in this book. Doesn't it say in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ the same today as He was yesterday forever. Didn't God ask the Israelites, is my arm shortened that I can't heal? He said, is my ear heavy that I can't hear? He's saying your problem, your failure is a prayer failure. Because God's arm is still just as long and strong as it ever was. And He still hears. You know... My children, we lived out in the country most of their life. And there's something about one of your children. You know your children's cries. I was in there minding my business one day. I'd slept all night. <clears throat> and my daughter was riding a four-wheeler, and she got hung up in the fence. And she was way on the back. Mama was at school. She was at work. I don't remember where she was at. But I was in there officially lay down and taking a nap. And, and I told him, I said, y'all bring that four-wheeler up here. When I lay down, I don't want you to get hurt. But I can hear out there, help. I don't know how I heard her through the walls, and she's in the back pasture. But I heard my daughter's cry for help. And sometimes you may not have the words to go to God and say, Well, and talk to Him like you're some kind of philosophical genius. Uh, Sometimes all you can do is just get on your knees and say, Father, help. Help me. After my friend went to prison, my wife got cancer. And they went in there and cut her up, and they messed things up. She had several. She, how many surgeries you had since then? Six? Eight? Fourteen surgeries. I need her. She's my help me. Tell you how I used to do, I tried to bargain with God. I said, God, if you'll keep my wife all right, I'll keep preaching. Huh. <laughs> A lot of good that did. I was at the hospital we were in Louisiana uh, where they did the surgery on her intestine. It busted open, and she came I came home from work, and she's like. I'm like, something's wrong, honey. She said, I'm just tired. Let me lay down. So I went in there and sit with her, and I said, I said, baby, something's wrong. She said, I'm tired. I said, get up. She started losing her color. I said, get up. We're going to the hospital. She couldn't even get out of bed. We carried her to the car. Got her to the hospital. I had to go get a wheelchair and put her in the wheelchair. I wheeled her in there, and I had my hand on, holding her head up. She couldn't even hold her head up. She was just... You see, her body was going into sepsis. Septic. Another 20 minutes, she would have died on me. While they had her in there, they wouldn't let me in there. They were doing whatever they were doing. And I went out and I got on my knees. Didn't even have a word. I just... You know God translated that? Because look right there. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't tell us the words He might have said or might not have said at the beginning. He was groaning in spirit to His Father. His Father heard it. You hear the old timers talk about laboring in prayer? We're lucky if we do a drive-by prayer. You want this church to grow? Ask God to give you a burden like that to where you'll get on your knees, you'll say. Mm. And watch what he'll do. Some of you say, Well, I'm too old to go out and knock doors. You're not too old to wrestle with God. This church, no church has to close. It's under the same management. He hasn't changed. He's still the same God He was the day you trusted Him, Savior. The failure is we don't know how to pray. Let me give you a couple of biblical, historical accounts of what prayer does. I've read of Moses. I've read of Moses when he stepped out in faith. And the Pharaoh wouldn't turn his people loose. And he said, uh, so Moses prayed to God. And he prayed to God. And God set him free. Have you got family members that need to be set free? The same God that turned Israel loose. But I asked him, did you get down on your knees and wrestle with God in prayer? The old-timers used to call it praying through. I never knew what that meant until about a year and a half ago. Call it what? Praying through. Either God meant what He said when He said, Call unto me and I will answer thee. I will. Or He didn't. So I was taking this little church up there. My wife was still in Arkansas. And I was living in, in the prophet's chamber at the church. And the church, our, our fellowship hall is about this size. So I walked around, four hours just walking. I needed something from God. I needed, I needed His power to pastor that church. I needed His presence in my life. I need. I couldn't. I wasn't. I wasn't going to do it, Brother Keith, not unless not unless the Lord was with me. And I wasn't just going to ask Him. God help me. That's how we pray sometimes. Lord God, help you know. Help me. Uh, I need enough money to go buy me a latte. I walked around that church. You're a powerful God. I can't do this. And I walked around that. I walked around it for four hours, nearly five miles. My phone keeps track. I walked and I walked and I walked. I was preaching that Sunday morning. This was 4 a.m. in the morning. And I said, oh God, I can't do it. I can't. And I refused to get up in that pulpit without you in the morning or today. About that time, the Lord answered my prayer. I didn't hear a voice, but in my spirit, I heard him somehow in here. I don't know. He said, I have heard your prayers. And a peace came over me. And I thought, whoo! This prayer thing. See, so you know what I've been doing? on Saturday nights I usually spend most of the night in prayer That's my wife she goes to bed about 11 I get in bed about 3 or 4 because I found out there is a God in heaven and He still answers this church needs to grow why not spend all night in prayer your pastor needs help Hold him up before God. Spencer, I'm not talking about a drive-by prayer. God, help the preacher. I'm talking about look at the shape of things. Look at the shape of our city. Look at the shape of our world. And get like on Nehemiah and get a burden. And hit your face before God and say, God, please help us. You see, I could come for the next six months and try to help you. But I can't help you. He can. I like to ask people, they say, Brother Owens, you just don't know my situation. Have you got a God? Is He the Almighty God? Then there's no excuse because my God can. And how do we prove it? On our knees. You'll get way more done on your knees than you will running around out here doing all this crazy stuff the world's trying to do to build church. God builds the church. Oh, if we just get like the disciples, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray like my Savior. Everything He did, He did after He prayed. He'd spend all night in prayer. And then He'd go do all these wonderful things. He said, teach us to pray. Moses did. Oh, there were so many others in the Bible. I can tell you how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I can tell you uh, uh, how Paul or Peter was delivered from prison. I can tell you all that was answers to prayer. I can tell you how Rhoda went down and heard the knocking on the door and she said, who's there? He says, Peter. And she's like, she runs off, leaves him standing at the door. And he goes in there, and they're on their knees praying. They said, hey, uh, 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 sirs, uh, Peter's at the door. You know what they said? I mean, that's how much trust they trusted God. That's not Peter, that's his ghost. Well, the ghost is still knocking. Isn't that kind of how we sometimes we're surprised that God actually heard us when He promised that He would? I'm going to have to come back and do a part two sometime. Is that all right? I've only got the first page of my sermon preached. I'm sorry. I don't know about that quick, but Jonathan Edwards. I I was talking to uh, this sweet lady right here the other day. Jonathan Edwards was a dull, boring preacher but he was very smart. And he was trusting his intellect to preach. He was trusting his abilities to get up and preach. And his son-in-law was a a missionary, and the whole time he was begging God. He said, Father, uh, he's so smart you could use him. Just pour out your spirit on him. And then the missionary son-in-law died. He didn't get to see it. But God poured out His Spirit upon Jonathan Edwards, And I know you've heard of the Great Awakening. He spearheaded that movement. Because one sick, sickly son-in-law was on his face before God lifting up the man of God. And you may not have a lot of talents, but you have the ability and the opportunity to call out to God for this man right here. And watch God work through his life and watch God win souls and then you'll see the little pitter-patter of feet running up down these aisles in the classrooms full. It's God that'll do it. My question is, is have you got a God? It's reported uh, when Jonathan Edward, the Holy Spirit moved on him. He had written a sermon called the ha- uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. They were some brutish, uh, uh, tough men came in there to mock him as he preached. But he opened his mouth and the Spirit of God moved. And it said before he was done preaching, these big, tough, mean men... Can I borrow this for just a second? I'm just going to move it. There was pillars all through the church. It was a big, open building that had pillars. It said these big, mean men was hugging the pillars because they thought the floor was falling out from beneath them. All of that because... Somebody prayed for their preacher. Lord, teach us to pray like that. Lord, teach us to pray. There's nothing that our God cannot do. D.L. Moody was uh, on vacation in Europe, and uh, he went and preached at this uh, particular church. I can't remember the guy's name, but he preached that morning, and he said it was like his sermon went out and fell straight on the floor. And he said, I was hoping to God that when I was leaving, the preacher would say, well, that's okay. You don't have to come back tonight. But the preacher walked up and shook his hand and said, that was great. I hope to see. I I, I can't wait to hear what you got tonight. And Dale like, oh, I wish he'd have said don't come back. Well, there was a lady in the church, an older lady. And she had a twin sister. And she was sick at home and she couldn't. She was bedridden. And she went home and she she told her sister, she said, sister, You'll never believe who preached for us this morning. And so this lady started naming all these men that had been to the church before, and she said, Nope, nope, nope. And she says, Who then? She said, D.L. Moody preached for our church this morning. She said, Oh, I've been praying for six months that he would come here. She said, If I'd known his preaching this morning, I'd have been praying and fasting for him already. Is he preaching tonight, sister? Sure is. She says, tell everybody. She said, don't bring me no food. Don't bring me no water. She said, lock my door and tell nobody to bother me. This sweet little old lady cried out to God all evening. Dale Moody said he got to preaching and the power of God fell. Over 500 church members got saved. He couldn't believe it. He, said, it, it, it. he said, if you need to be saved, he said, come to the altar. Well, over 500 of the regular church members got up. And he said, no, y'all sit down. He said, no, what I'm asking you is, is if you've never been born again and you need to be, he said, would you stand? 500 people stood up. He's like, no, y'all don't understand me. sit back down. He said, if you've never been saved and you need to be saved, he said, I'm not, he said, I guess church members, he said, but if you've never been saved, he said, meet us in the hall next door. 500 people walked in the hall next door. And he told the preacher, I'm sorry, you're going to deal with this. I'm out of here. Well, the preacher, he said, where are you going? He said, I got to go to Australia. So he was getting everything ready to leave the country and the preacher called him. He said, hey, you got to come back. He said, you know, you told them to come into the hall. He said, then you told them to come back Monday night just to see if they really meant it. He said, there's a thousand people standing here needing to get saved. Because one little lady believed God and lifted up that preacher. Now, our God hasn't changed. I'm tired of all this orthodox, dead religion. I'm not talking about the crazy stuff. I'm talking about the stuff where churches are dead. We have the spirit of life, folks. And don't let the devil tell you anything other. You should seek me and you shall find me when you seek for me with your whole heart. I can tell you a couple of stories about me right quick. Usually, I'm eating tacos by now. Y'all just bear with me. My daughter one time, my oldest daughter, I told Brother, uh, brother uh, Keith about this. Some reason, she had a high fever. It just spiked up. You remember that, honey? When it got up to like 105, 106 degrees. She was just a little bitty, a little tight, about that big. I can't tell you how old, but I can show you how big they were. I got one that's about this big. And, uh, but anyway, she's about this big. And, and my wife brought her to me and she said, feel her, she's hot. Well, we just had an ice storm. We lived, kind of our driveway was like a, a slope. So you couldn't, I mean, I walked outside and slid down to the highway. I like to never made it back to the house. So I'm thinking, how are we going to get her to the hospital? I called, so we called the hospital and they said, the ambulance is not even running. It was a bad ice storm in Texas. You know that's messed up. Nobody knows how to drive an ice around here. And they said, we're not going to pick nobody up. And I had I'd only been saved about three months. And I remember my preacher told me, he says, pray about it. I thought, man, I've wanted the hospital, tried the car, tried to walk. Why didn't I just stop and pray about it? I mean, why is it that we put God on the back burner? So I said, bring it her here. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing. She handed her to me, and I, I just held her up to God. I said, "God, you gave her to us. I can't get her to the hospital. Would you please heal my baby? And I kid you not, as I was holding her, I could feel the fever leaving her body. I handed her back to her mama because she started crying. I said, "Check her out." This is what happened? she checked her temperature it was 98.6 two minutes earlier it was 105.6 God did that I don't have a strong prayer life I mean I'm just like you are God did it I can tell you one night I was out on a, a, a I drove a truck for a while an oil tanker and they're very can be very dangerous and I was going down this uh, right beside the Trinity River over there at Oakwood and, and it's about a 300 foot cliff down to the water and the road was just barely wide enough to get that 18-wheeler on. And they had all these pylons dried in so it didn't cave off into the creek. And I'm, I'm, I'm eas- easing down through there that night about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I got out and they had these big pipe fences. I don't know if you've ever been on an oil lease or not, but they got these big pipe fences. And they, to keep poachers out, they, they do some kind of secret handshake and lock deal. And, I mean, you got to actually have instruction on how to get up in there and get the lock off of the thing just to get it open. Well, I got there and they changed the lock. It was one mile from the road I turned off of to that gate. While I'm standing there, a storm is rolling in, the water, the air got cool, and fog just started rolling up off the river. It got so heavy. While I'm standing there trying to open this gate, and there's no way to break the lock, and I couldn't ram the gate because then I'd have caved the whole thing off, and I'm thinking, what do I do? (sighs) Pray. I kid you not, I could could barely see the back end of my truck standing there with all my lights on. And it was just that foggy. By the time I got in my truck, you couldn't see. I hit the brakes to see if I could see my brake lights because I was going to kind of use the brake lights to see the wall. And I thought, where's my trailer? (laughs) And I was sitting in that seat. And I said, Lord, there's a storm coming. I can't get in this gate. Lord, would you help me to see through this fog? Amen. I looked down, and the fog had raised just above my truck. People say, brother, is that, that... if I'm lying, I'm dying. I throw that sucker in reverse, and I'm backing around corners. I don't want to go down in the river. They wouldn't have found me for a month of Sunday, so I'm driving backwards, you know, and i got that 50-foot, tanker trailer however big it was and finally get out to the road and I'm like about that time the fog says you know what God was trying to show me? Call unto me and I will answer thee. You know what we need today? We need to cry out like that disciple. Lord teach us to pray. This church, it should never close. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail. The eyes of the Lord are going to and through throughout the earth. looking whom He may show Himself strong through. Does this community need a witness? You know who that witness is? I can't be the witness down here. I'm in Oklahoma. But you can. Brother Ones, I can't. Lord, teach us to pray. This is your work. Teach me how to do it. Lord, give me your power so I can. And then watch what God can do. By You Baptist Church. He's big enough. He's just looking for somebody to trust Him. We talked about faith in Sunday school this morning. To depend on Him. Now I'm fixing to leave out of here, but what are y'all going to do when I leave? I hope you're going to cry out to God this morning and teach me to pray. That is the most underrated tool that God has given us. You can get a hope to the one who is able to change the course of history. You think you're going to get him to change the course of history by some drive-by prayer? that's what's frustrating we don't know how to pray and then he don't answer the prayer and then we think he's uh, told us a lie no he said Lord teach us to pray this morning if you ask him he'll show you isn't it something when you pray and things happen that's the God we serve we don't serve some deadbeat dad our father's not deadbeat Our Father's on the scene. Every head bowed, every eye closed.